New Horizon has been serving the church in Northern Ireland since 1989, and we're delighted to bring you this talk today. We trust you will be blessed through this ministry. Well, I'm really glad uh, to have a chance to, to talk to you today uh, about this topic, which is listening to God. Um, and I was thinking, I guess normally I would, I would love to talk about this topic slowly. Uh, it kind of lends itself to that. Um, if you're, if you're going to listen to God, you need to slow down. Um, I think when we talked about this topic in our church, uh, we took about 10 weeks to kind of explore it together. Uh, but today we have one seminar. Uh, so I'm kind of aware I, I've maybe packed in a lot of content. Um, so I do want to encourage you, I assume you can stop the video. Um, so I do want to encourage you just when you need to, to pause. Um, in the book of Psalms, there's a little word, Selah, uh, which we're not quite sure what it means, but it seems to mean something like um, stop, pause, reflect, pray. Uh, so maybe a few times during the seminar, I might insert a little sila, and that might be a good moment just to uh, stop the video if you need to and just reflect and, and, and breathe. Uh, but I want to start with, I want to jump right in and start with two questions and then three stories. Um, the two questions come from uh, a lecture I sat in years ago. I've, I've never forgotten this. Uh, something that the lecturer said. He said, at any given moment in your life, you should be able to answer these two questions, which are, firstly, what is Jesus saying to you in your life right now? And secondly, how do you know it's Jesus? Right? And so maybe if you forget everything else we talk about, I'd love it if those two questions kind of followed you around a little bit. What is Jesus saying to you in your life right now? And how do you know it's Jesus? Three stories. Uh, first story is this. A young man in North Africa in the fourth century. Uh, he was smart. He was highly educated. He was cultured. He was living a life of indulgence and all kinds of pleasures. But he was also hungry for something more. He was struggling to change. And he was in his garden one day in tears, wrestling with himself. And he heard what seemed to be a child's voice saying, take it and read, take it and read. And he didn't know where the voice had come from. He wondered if God might be speaking to him. He picked up the book that was sitting on the table beside him in the garden, which was a book of Paul's letters from the New Testament. And he read these words, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in licentiousness and lewdness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. It's from Romans 13. Uh, and this young man felt personally addressed by those words, and clarity and light flooded his heart, and his life was changed. And he became one of the most influential Christian leaders and thinkers of any generation. His name was Augustine, or Augustine, depending how you pronounce it. So that's the first story. Second story. Um, another young man a century later in Roman Britain. At the age of 16, he was captured by raiders and taken as a slave to Ireland. And in captivity, he became a Christian. You may recognize this story. He worked as a shepherd. He spent many hours in conversation with God. But after six years, he heard a voice guiding him to a ship. And he escaped and he found his way back home. And I guess the story might have ended there. But a few years later... He had a vision at night and a messenger brought him a letter addressed to him 
uh, that said this. It said, the voice of the inhabitants of Ireland. We ask you to come and walk among us. And he was filled with joy and he accepted God's call to return to Ireland. And he came and he preached the message of Jesus in the land of his slavery. And thousands of people were baptized and hundreds of churches were planted. And it's no exaggeration to say the whole course of this culture was changed. That young man's name, of course, was Patrick. Third story, a little closer to home. Um, an older lady in our church who uh, is now at home with the Lord. Um, er, a little earlier in her life, she'd been in a church service and there was a time of prayer and everybody had their heads down, their heads bowed. But she had a feeling that she should open her eyes and look up. And she saw a kind of light around the lady's head, sitting a few rows in front of her. And she saw in her mind's eye the words of Psalm 27 written there. And so she approached this lady who she didn't know and simply shared that psalm uh, with her. The woman and her husband burst into tears. They told her a little bit of their story. They were planning to have an abortion the next day. Uh, they'd been told their child would have a severe abnormality. And they read Psalm 27 and it spoke powerfully to them and especially the final words of the psalm which said, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And they accepted that God was telling them to have the baby and they went on to give birth to a healthy boy. I wonder what you think of those three stories about Augustine, about Patrick, about this lady from our church. Um, let me just pick out maybe a couple of things uh, from those stories before we go on. Um, things that I notice about those stories. Uh, one is simply this, that God speaks in a whole variety of ways. So just in those three stories, he spoke through the voice of a child, through a verse of scripture, opened at random, through an inner voice, through a vision, through a visible light, through a psalm that came to mind. God speaks in a whole variety of ways. Another thing I notice is that the Bible plays a key and central role in many of those stories. The voice guided Augustine to read scripture, which then spoke powerfully into his present moment. God brought a psalm to the mind of, of that lady from our church. I also notice God's voice in those stories is often not just for our own benefit. It sends us out into love and mission and to serve others. We're often, we hear from God things that we are to share, to, to bless and encourage and reach others. Um, another thing I notice is in those stories is people hear God's voice when they're seeking it. Each of those people was open or hungry to hear from God. And there seems to be kind of a principle that when people listen, God speaks. Or maybe a better way to put it would be this, that God is speaking all the time. Kind of like the, the radio waves and the TV waves that are passing through this room. But whenever we choose to listen, we kind of tune the radio in to that frequency. We tune in to his voice. Um, maybe one last thing I, I notice about those stories, I wonder, do you notice it? Is that we might feel a little bit more nervous as they get closer to home. Um, and I've kind of found this in chatting to people that we like stories about God speak, speaking dramatically and miraculously when they come from long ago or when they come from far away in Africa or, or China or something. But 
when we start to think about it happening where we live, happening in our church, happening close to us, we start to become a wee bit more nervous. We're not sure if we want that to happen or we have discomfort and questions and fear around it. I uh, wonder, do you notice some of those things in yourself? Uh, maybe this would be a good sila moment just to pause and to breathe and to reflect your reaction to those stories. I want to take a moment um, and just acknowledge something which is, uh, I guess, a little bit more theological. Um, we need to recognize something that has often been taught and believed, uh, that has been an influential theology in our religious culture in Northern Ireland and certainly was part of the air I breathed when I was growing up. Um, some people will say that God doesn't speak in all those strange ways today, uh, that those things were necessary in the Old Testament and in the time of the early church. But once the New Testament was finished and the canon of scripture was closed, God stopped speaking in those many ways and now speaks only through scripture uh, or perhaps only through the preaching of scripture. Um, now we don't have time to discuss that view in detail. It's often called cessationism. Um, and because we don't have a lot of time, I know I run the risk of sounding a little bit blunt, um, but, but I kind of just need to say it, that although this view seems to have a high view of the Bible, uh, it simply doesn't have a lot of biblical support. The Bible itself doesn't teach that those ways of speaking are gonna die out when the canon of scripture is closed. It doesn't even hint in that direction. Um, in fact, I'd go further and say, in the story of the Bible, the movement is towards these things becoming more available and more widespread and more common. So in the Old Testament, God spoke mainly to a few special chosen people, like prophets and priests and kings, and not to the ordinary people. But the prophets spoke of a time that was coming when God would pour out his spirit on all people. And you get this especially in Joel chapter two. And he said, then your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And all of God's people, young and old, male and female, will prophesy, will hear from God and speak it out. And then what happens, of course, is Peter stands up at Pentecost in Acts 2 and says that time that the prophets dreamed of has arrived. It's now here. And there's not a hint of a whisper of a suggestion that this is going to be just for one generation. And then these things are going to go back in the box. That would be a very strange way to read the story. What I hear there in the New Testament is this is going to be normal in the life of the church, that all of God's people, young and old, male and female, will hear from God and speak out what they hear. Um, maybe, and again, maybe this sounds blunt, um, but this is my own reflection in my own life and uh, looking at our religious culture. I think cessationism can lead to a very dry and theoretical and secondhand faith because we're reading our Bibles and we're reading these stories of all these people in the Bible who heard God speak with freshness into their generation and speak personally into their lives. And we read about Abraham and Moses and David and Deborah and Isaiah and Elijah and Mary and Peter and Paul. But we ourselves perhaps know very little of that living voice 
speaking dynamically into our lives. It can be a very dry and dusty faith. So that might be a good moment. I've been a little bit provocative there. Maybe a Selah moment just to pause and breathe and reflect and think about what, what you think about some of those things. Maybe I want to go on and say this, that sometimes we hide behind theology when really it's about fear. Uh, sometimes it's a fear of something we haven't experienced very much, that actually we have a lot of experience of Bible study and reading the Bible and studying the Bible and, and all that, but we have very little experience of tuning in to the living voice of God. Um, or it can be fear of something that we've seen misused and abused. Maybe you know people who have made big claims that God has said something to them and they've caused carnage, they've caused wreckage. Uh, maybe you've seen people go in weird and wacky directions and cause hurt and confusion. It's very understandable then to be a little nervous and a little afraid. Um, it's back to our question we asked at the beginning. How can we tell the voice that we're hearing is Jesus? We worry that it could be our own imagination. We worry that it could even be the enemy sowing confusion. So here's a verse that I, or a couple of verses that I think are really vital. Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Um, I, I find that just tremendously practical, helpful advice. When, when someone claims to have heard from God, we need to not dismiss it out of hand. We need to not treat it with contempt, which is to quench the spirit. We need, but on the other hand, we need to test it to see if it's genuine. We don't just accept it uncritically. Uh, we need to test it and see if it is good, if it is real, if it is true. And so our very practical question then becomes, how do we practice that discernment? If you think you're hearing from God, if your friend uh, feels that they're hearing from God, how do we test it to see if it's genuine? Uh, and again, if we had more time, we would spend a good bit of time in each of these. But um, I want to offer you a really simple model uh, based on scripture and also on people's experience of working through these things um, for practicing that discernment. Um, I want to encourage you to think of a simple stool with four legs. And maybe I should have had a stool here as a, as a visual aid, but you can imagine it beside me. Um, for the stool to be solid and take your weight, you need all four legs. Um, and just a simple model for thinking about discernment. The four legs of the stool, firstly, is the voice of Jesus within you. Uh, the spirit of Jesus is in you. And Jesus promised that the spirit would teach you and lead you into all truth. And his spirit witnesses with your spirit and speaks to your heart. Uh, and so I know this sounds kind of maybe really simple, but whenever you're wondering whether something is really from Jesus, you can ask him. He is with you. He is within you. You can tell him that you're afraid of being deceived by your own thoughts or worse. You can ask him to reveal to you if this is really him. And there's a promise I go back to very often from Jesus in John 10 uh, that I find really reassuring, where he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me and they listen to my voice. Um, 
And so there's a reassurance there that you can learn to recognize the voice of Jesus as your good shepherd. So that's the first leg of the stool is the voice of Jesus within. But then the, the second leg is the voice of Jesus in scripture. The Jesus who is within, within us by his spirit is the same Jesus revealed in the pages of scripture. And so he speaks with the same voice. Um, and maybe the, the obvious application of that uh, is Jesus will not ask you to do something that violates what scripture teaches. So if you think the voice of Jesus within is telling you to cheat on your wife or cheat on your taxes or do a dodgy deal or tell a half truth, it's not the voice of Jesus. Hopefully that bit is pretty obvious. But there's also a more positive side to this. As we soak ourselves in the scriptures, the scriptures always lead us to Jesus and we get to know Jesus and we get to know his heart and his character and his voice. And so we won't be deceived uh, so easily by a counterfeit. Um, in the scriptures, we get to know the tone and the content of what the, the voice of Jesus sounds like. Uh, so we won't be deceived. So firstly, the voice of Jesus within. Uh, secondly, the voice of Jesus in scripture. The third leg of the stool is the voice of Jesus in the church. We're not meant to work this out by ourselves and we get into all kinds of confusion and mess when we go Lone Ranger. Uh, we're given a community, we're given each other to work this out. And so we can practice discernment together. We ask each other for help with this. We can say to someone else, I think God may be speaking to me about this, but I'm really not sure. What do you think? We need friends with wisdom and discernment. Uh, we need friends who'll speak truthfully to us and not just tell us what we want to hear. Uh, and we're looking for people who will listen to God on our behalf and not just give us their own best advice. Uh, people who will listen on our behalf and listen with us uh, for God's voice. So that's the voice of Jesus in the church. It's so vital as we practice discernment that we don't just do it alone. Uh, but then the fourth uh, leg of the, the stool is the voice of Jesus in the events of our lives. Jesus is speaking all the time in the ordinary arena of our everyday lives. And we need to test what we think we hear in the arena of real life. And sometimes as we do that, we'll find that external events will confirm what we've been hearing in other ways. Doors will open, opportunities will arise, coincidences apparently will happen. Um, what if we find that's not happening, things are not aligning and opening up and falling into place, the doors are remaining closed? Um, that may mean we've heard wrong and we need to go back and listen again and seek fresh wisdom. Or sometimes it may be that we mean that we need to wait and hold on to the thing we've heard and wait for it to come to fruition. Or sometimes it may mean that we need to take a step and take a risk. Um, sometimes that's how we test what we think we've heard. Uh, like that story in the Old Testament where the Israelites had to step into the River Jordan before the miracle happened of the, the parting of the waters. They had to get their feet wet. Um, sometimes we need to sit on the stool and see if it will take our weight. Uh, maybe immediately you think that's a bit of a risk. If you sit on the stool and you're not sure, you might end up uh, looking very foolish and landing on the floor. Um, and there is an element of risk, I think, with this. Um, there's an important principle that others have shared with me, I think, in learning to discern God's voice 
that we always need to make sure the risk falls on us and not on other people. So you're not meddling with other people's lives. But there's always going to be an element of trial and error. And that means we will make mistakes, but that's part of how we grow and how we learn. And if we wait until we have 100% certainty, we won't risk much and we won't grow much. And we won't see much happen, uh, perhaps, in our lives. So that was very quick, but that's a little simple model uh, for testing what you hear, uh, those four legs of the stool, Jesus speaking within, Jesus speaking in scripture, Jesus speaking in the church, uh, Jesus speaking in the events of our lives. Uh, maybe that would be another good moment just to take a, a sila, a, a pause and breathe and reflect and pray. It's kind of one last kind of big area of this that I want to explore uh, with you uh, in this seminar. Um, and I guess it's this question is, uh, why do we want to hear from God? And maybe that seems a strange question to you. Uh, but I think this question of our heart motivation is vital. Because uh, sometimes, if we're being honest, we're just looking for excitement. We want some spiritual fireworks. We want some cool stories to be able to tell. Uh, we want what one person called a quiver in the liver. Um, and those are kind of trivial motivations. We're kind of treating God as our entertainer to save us from boredom. We just want excitement. Um, so I want to suggest to you, uh, for you to consider, three deeper and better motivations uh, for wanting to hear from God. And I want to tell you a couple of stories uh, to go with these. And the first kind of deeper motivation, maybe, is, is a very personal one. Is that as we, as we hear the voice of God, we learn that we are not forgotten. Um, whenever we thought about this theme in our church, we asked people in our church uh, to share stories of God speaking to them in their lives. Um, and it was extraordinary, the stories that people sent in, in our very ordinary neighborhood community church the stories that people carried that were very precious to them of times in their lives when God had spoken to them. Um, but one of the things that took me by surprise was there was this overwhelming theme that was repeated again and again, that whenever people experienced God speaking personally into their lives, the overwhelming sense for them was that God sees me, that God knows where I live, that God notices and cares and hasn't forgotten me. Um, maybe what came to mind for me was almost an image of, if you imagine you lived in the middle of the jungle on a remote island in the middle of the Pacific, and then one day there was a rustling in the, the jungle and someone came hacking through the jungle with a machete, uh, kind of their clothes torn and covered in sweat, and they had in their hand an envelope uh, with your name handwritten on it. And you'd think someone has gone to an awful lot of trouble to get this message to me. Somebody must care about me an awful lot. I am known, I am seen, I am remembered. Um, let me tell you a couple of stories that might make this clearer. Um, a friend of mine from our church was at a women's conference and the speaker on the platform was sharing prophetic words for people in the room. And my friend was from the kind of background where that kind of thing was not done. Uh, and she was feeling really quite sceptical and guarded. She didn't like what was going on. And of course, she was hoping against hope 
that she wouldn't be picked out because that's, that's what you hope in that scenario. But of course, on the Saturday morning, she was picked out. And the, the lady on the platform shared, first of all, some general things about God's love. And my friend was still sitting feeling a bit skeptical. And then the lady said that she had seen a picture of my friend with a packet of seeds, sowing them in the earth, and that God was saying she would be able to sow hope in people's lives. This was the Saturday, and on the day before, on the Friday, my friend had been sowing seeds from a packet in her vegetable garden and praying and weeping over a situation that seemed hopeless. And so in that moment, when she got that message, it made her deeply aware that God saw her and cared deeply about her and hadn't forgotten her. And it gave her great hope as she waited for a change in that situation. Or here's another story with the same theme. Um, another friend of mine in our church, um, the background of this story, and by the way, I'm not sharing names because I haven't asked permission uh, from people to, to, to share their names. Um, the background of this story uh, was in two deeply painful parts of this friend's journey. Uh, one was that she hadn't been able to have children. And that was a deeply hurtful part of her journey. And the other was this, in her own words. She said, for 13 years, I didn't sing because of something that had happened to me as a teenager. And I don't know the rest of that, that part of the story. But the story goes like this. She was in a new home group in church and people in home group were taking turns to pray for each other, and people were praying for this lady. Uh, and she found herself praying silently in her head and saying something like this, saying, this is lovely, Lord, but these people don't know me. You know me. You speak to me. And immediately she prayed that prayer. A total stranger in the group read out these words from Scripture. Sing, barren woman. And my friend says those three words summarized two decades of her life and she actually fell to her knees. And the same person went on to read over her these words from Isaiah 49, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Um, I wonder, can you see in those two stories, uh, this is not about entertainment or fireworks. It's about hearing the voice of love that lets us know that we are seen and not forgotten. Uh, and of course, we know that from the scriptures and we know that God loves the world and we know that we're included in that. But in his amazing, gentle, gracious love for us and his kindness, God sometimes sends us these handwritten notes that let us know that we are loved. So that's kind of the first big, deep motivation is that when we hear God speak, we know that we are seen and loved and not forgotten. The second one is this, that we are able to encourage one another. Um, often we'll hear from God something to share with someone else. And that's one of the great privileges of Christian community. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about prophecy, which is a word that can scare some people, but really it's about what we've been talking about. It's about God speaking to his people and giving us something to share with others. It's not mainly about predicting the future, uh, but about hearing from God a word to share with others. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says this. He says, the one who prophesies speaks to people 
for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And I want to kind of give you those three words as something tremendously helpful. Uh, if you think God may have given you something to share with someone else, pause and ask the, que the question, will this strengthen or encourage or comfort? Um, those who um, have wisdom in this area of the Christian life uh, will often say, don't share something that will mess with other people's heads. Don't share something that's going to meddle in their life. Don't predict marriages or births or deaths. Don't tell them what to do with their life. As we said earlier, the risk needs to fall on you. So you might risk appearing a little bit foolish if you share something and they say, that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but this is an amazing privilege that you sometimes will get to deliver that handwritten note and to let someone know that they are loved and not forgotten. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but when someone approaches you and says, God put you on my mind yesterday, or God put you on my heart, and this verse came to mind, or this picture came to mind, or this phrase came to mind, and I wondered if it might be for you. Even before they tell you the content of the message, you already feel encouraged that God has put you on someone's mind and that they've taken the risk of coming to talk to you. I know that's how I feel. Um, and sometimes what they share might not mean a whole lot right now, and you can store it away, and you can test it, and you can sit with it. And sometimes it will speak right to where you are living right now, and you will know that you're not forgotten. So that's kind of the second big motivation, is that it, it gives you a way to love others and to strengthen and encourage and comfort. Um, the third big positive motivation is this, that it makes us effective in mission. Um, if you're anything like me, we, we often read the book of Acts and we're amazed at the powerful impact that these few Christians had where um, God added to their number daily those who were being saved and they, the Christianity spread across the, the, the known world in the Roman Empire. And we often wonder what their secret was. But actually, I think the secret is, is out in the open. It's written all over the story. They were guided by the voice of God. They were guided by the Holy Spirit into fruitful mission. Uh, and so and there's all kinds of examples. You think of Philip, who was guided by an angel to a particular road uh, to stand there and wait. And a chariot just happened to come by. And in the chariot, there just happened to be an Ethiopian man who just happened to be reading the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and struggling to understand it and needed someone to come and sit with him in the chariot and help him understand. And that story ends with a, a baptism at the side of the road. Um, a vision guided Peter to find Cornelius and an angel guided Cornelius to find Peter. The spirit prevented Paul and his companions going one way and then a dream of a man from Macedonia guided them into Greece. All through the story, they are listening to the voice of God, speaking in all kinds of ways, and it guides them into fruitful mission. If we're listening to the voice of Jesus, he will lead us to the right place and the right person at the right time. He will lead us into fruitful mission. Without that, um, I don't know if you've ever found we often... We, we can work hard at evangelism and mission and we can organize all kinds of activity till we're, we're blue in the face. We can fish all night and catch nothing. But whenever we pause and listen to the voice of Jesus, 
And he says, let down your net there. Suddenly something remarkable happens. One last story. My, my friend Ricky, uh, who works with me, um, is better at listening to God than I am and definitely braver at following those prompts from God. Um, one time a while back, Ricky had a dream. And this is going to sound a bit odd, this one. Uh, he saw in his dream a man being prayed for and he had a sense in the dream that something powerful was going on with that man. And he asked someone in the dream who the man was and the answer he was given was, that's the sausage man. Now this sounds odd, but bear with me. A few days later or a while later, Ricky was leading a mission team and they were to go out on the streets and offer to pray for people and talk about Jesus. Um, Ricky felt that day that they should go to a particular town in this north coast area where they hadn't gone before. Um, and they, they wandered around that town and they had some interesting encounters with people on the street and a few people welcomed prayer and were glad to be prayed for. But Ricky had this dream in his mind and so he kind of was puzzling over it and he went into the butcher's shop and he, he was kind of following his hunch and he asked if they would like prayer and they very bluntly said no. And he kind of went out with his tail between his legs. And they had an interesting day in this town, but Ricky felt a little disappointed. He thought he was onto something. And then when the day was nearly over, he heard a voice behind him speaking his name. And he turned around to find a young man he had known years before. The young man was wearing a butcher's apron. Turned out there were two butcher shops in the town. He told Ricky a little bit of what had been going on in his life. He'd been going through an incredibly difficult time. He was far, far, far away from God. And Ricky shared his dream with the young man. And the young man was stunned. So he told Ricky that he had just spent that whole day standing at a machine making sausages. And I wonder, do you see how God put something in Ricky's mind? Because he wanted to get a message to that, that young man to let him know that he was not forgotten, to let him know that he was loved. And it required Ricky to take a bit of a risk and to be willing to look a little foolish wandering around this town looking for the sausage man. But isn't it worth it whenever the message gets through and someone knows how much they matter to God and they get that handwritten note? Let me finish with this. Um, and you can take this away and ponder it and wonder how it applies in your life. Um, just a little biblical thing to finish. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, there's a phrase that I always find really sad that says, In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. It's speaking of a religious culture where people had become deaf to the voice of God. They were no longer expectant of hearing his voice. I think that can happen even in a religious culture like ours that honours the Bible and prides itself on reading the Bible and studying the Bible, we can become deaf to hearing the living voice of God speaking with freshness into our lives. Um, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. I wonder, does that apply to our culture? Um, but a few verses later, just 20 verses later, it says this, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And suddenly, 20 verses later, there's this turnaround where it seems like God is appearing and revealing himself, and that's become normal. 
God is speaking. God is showing himself. God is at work in that place. And you wonder what made the shift, what changed a culture in a short period of time from deafness to the voice of God and a lack of vision to a place where God is speaking all the time. And if you look in the very center of the story in 1 Samuel 3 verse 10, I think you find the hinge moment. And what you find is a little boy called Samuel placing himself before God and simply saying, speak Lord for your servant is listening. And maybe that's what I want to encourage you uh, to take away and ponder. What, what would it mean for you in your ordinary life each day um, to make space, to be quiet, to be still, to place yourself before God in that posture of listening and to say, speak Lord for your servant is listening and to be ready then to go where that voice leads you even if it's a bit risky, even if you might look foolish, but to see what kind of adventures God might lead you into. Um, let's pray together as, you, as we finish. Um, thank you for listening uh, to this seminar. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for each person um, tuning into this message. Um, I want to thank you that you're right there in the room with them as they listen. And I want to pray that you would help each of us to know how to apply these things in our lives. Um, I want to pray where we have confusion about these things, that you would bring clarity and wisdom. I want to pray where we have fears about these things, that you would bring your peace. Father, I want to pray that you would make us people whose hearts are tuned to hear your voice speaking into our lives. Father, help us not to be people who go chasing drama and chasing fireworks and just uh, chasing excitement and entertainment. But we want to hear you speak into our lives because we want to hear the voice of love for ourselves and for our neighbours. And Father, we love to get the privilege in our lives of carrying those handwritten notes to our brothers and sisters and to people in our neighbourhood and community to let them know that they are seen, that they are loved, that they are not forgotten. And so we pray, make us a little braver, make us a little wiser to tune in and hear your voice and then to be ready to go uh, wherever you lead us. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this talk. If you would like to know more about New Horizon, please visit our website at newhorizon.org.uk.